Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It's over. Wave the white flag if you are the Houston Rockets. This series is finished. And frankly, I think the entire NBA playoffs are done as well. You can go ahead and buy in to the fallacy that the Rockets can come back and win this series. You can desperately clutch your James Harden as you go to bed at night, curled up, dreaming sweet nothings about the fact that the Golden State Warriors, who are now 25-3 and in the playoffs with Kevin Durant, are going to somehow suddenly lose four games out of six at best to the Houston Rockets. You can sit around and say, oh, you know what? Maybe James Harden will go for 60. Maybe he'll score 70 points. Maybe we aren't that far after all from finding a way to get a win. But the truth of the matter is this. The Golden State Warriors sleptwalked through the regular season because they knew they needed to turn it on they could. There are a couple of data points that jumped out from this game last night that I thought were utterly worth analyzing. First of all, three-point shooting. The Golden State Warriors won by 13 points, and they were pretty much the same from three-point shooting. Rockets went 13 for 37. Many of those just kind of thrown up at the end of the game. The Warriors went 13 for 33. The Warriors really, when you look at their overall stat line, didn't even play that enormous well in the grand scheme of things. 
James Harden went out and played about as well as he could offensively. But the bigger issue is Harden and the Rockets were not very good defensively. Went and looked at this. I was watching this game saying, man, it seems to me like the Golden State Warriors are getting an awful lot of really good looks. I mean, Clay Thompson shot 15 three-pointers, and at least eight or nine of them, to me, looked like wide-open looks with nobody even attempting to run at him. And uh, it turns out the Warriors scored 54 points last night on uncontested shots in Game 1, which is the second most they've scored this postseason and the most the Rockets have allowed in the playoffs this season. The Rockets can't defend the Warriors. They give up way too many easy looks. Now the Rockets may win one game. They may win two games. I actually think it's more likely that the Warriors sweep them than that the Rockets win two games. I think you go ahead and circle game two and say the Rockets absolutely positively have to win this game or else this series is completely over. But to me, I just circle back around to 25-3. and That's the Warriors' record ever since Kevin Durant joined this team. And when you really break it down, nothing since then has been surprising at all. Statistically, if I am a Rockets fan or even a fan of either of the teams in the Eastern Conference, I look at this and say, man, Draymond Green didn't really score last night. Uh, Kevin Durant was great, but I think Kevin Durant's going to be great this entire series because I don't think anybody can guard him. Steph Curry just went one for five from the field. He only took 15 shots. Klay Thompson took 15 threes, and it was like the Rockets just acknowledged that they weren't going to defend him all night long. Nobody on the Warriors bench was particularly hot or particularly a difference maker. Paul and James Harden scored up, uh, showed up. Everybody else, eh. I'm just telling you, this confirms what Vegas had been telling us all offseason. This confirms what basically you should know if your eyes work, which is the Rockets are a lot better than everybody else. And the NBA is selling you a bill of goods on what's going to happen in this postseason. The only thing that could happen that could derail the Warriors is, frankly, an injury. Somebody could run into somebody else. Somebody could uh, could hurt their knee. Multiple Warrior players maybe would have to get hurt because I'm not even sure one of these guys going down, unless it was Durant, would really change things that much in this lineup. But the Rockets, to me, are psychologically beaten now. They spent the entire offseason saying, we are built to beat the Golden State Warriors. And they spent the entire season getting home court advantage. And in 48 minutes, it's gone. And I think they're waking up this morning, or last night after they hopped out of the shower, they were looking at themselves in the mirror, and they were saying, you know what? We're not who we thought they were. We're not who we hoped we were. But the Warriors are exactly who we feared they were. And that is the much better team that, when necessary, could just flip a switch. The Warriors are rested. They didn't push themselves at all during the regular season. 
a lot of different injuries, a lot of guys played less than full games. They're just now rounding into shape in a situation, I think. That's what I told you yesterday. I said, I think the Warriors revel in this kind of situation. I think the Warriors love the fact that they were the underdog last night. They were a a one-and-a-half-point underdog. They're a two-point underdog in game two still. I think they revel in this because it's so rare that you have a champion who has been to three straight NBA Finals, who has won two out of three, who was coming into this game 24-3 and in their last 27 playoff games, and you have any kind of situation where they feel like they are being disrespected or people don't ex- don't uh, anticipate that they're going to win. Remember, 25-3 and three now after this win, and think about the losses that they have posted. They lost, I believe, last season after going up 3-0, if I'm not mistaken, against the Cavs in the NBA Finals. They lost after going up 3-0 to the San Antonio Spurs in the first round. And they lost after going up 2-0 on the Pelicans uh, in the second round. They haven't lost a game that actually mattered in the playoffs since Kevin Durant got to the Warriors. I think it's time to go ahead and turn the page and start to ask the question, where is LeBron James going to go? I mean, seriously, the NBA is done. The Warriors are going to be your champ. And frankly, the Warriors might win the next seven games. They might win three straight against the Rockets and then go on and sweep either the Cavs or the Celtics if they want to. If they really want to put full-fledged effort into going 7-0 from here, I think they can. Worst case scenario, I think they go like 7-2. There's just not going to be very much drama here. And, I mean, by the way, if you disagree with me, you're certainly welcome to explain why. You can be wrong, but I don't see it at all. This Warrior team, to me, has no contest from anybody else in the NBA. Now, next year, when the Celtics have Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, I still don't think they're going to be as good as the Warriors, but at least we'll get a new contest and have the idea that there might be somebody out there to beat them. Maybe, again, I've been telling you guys this for a while, if I were advising LeBron James, I think this is setting up for a couple of things to happen. I think the Rockets are going to get run, and I think they're going to be begging for somebody to come be their savior. And I think LeBron James is going to be able to answer that call. He's going to roll into Houston, nation's fourth largest media market, big international presence. This is a city that would welcome LeBron James and be a great place for him to finish his career. We're going to see... The Warriors then be challenged. I don't know necessarily that LeBron James makes much sense with the Warriors uh, still there, with the Rockets being able to get past them, but at least there's that illusion that would be out there. Um, Otherwise, I don't even see a storyline that makes sense as long as these Golden State Warriors are together. Basically, Kevin Durant has zapped the NBA of any kind of legitimate uncertainty. And there's they're fun to watch play, but I almost feel like the Warriors at this point should have to play on a different court. Like their three-point baskets should be further away, or they should have to play without three-point baskets, or something. 
something would need to happen to make them actually able to be beaten consistently in a series. I mean, I just that stat to me that jumps out and is the most glaring and is the most overwhelming and is the most difficult to even comprehend is the fact that they are 25 and 3 since Kevin Durant got to the Warriors in the postseason. Think about how amazing that is. Every single series that they have played so far, four last year, where they went 16 and 1, and now they're on the third this year, where they are sitting at 9 and 2. Every team combined in those seven series so far has not won enough games yet to win a series against the Warriors. Think about that. Think about how dominant that is for the Golden State Warriors. If you combine all four series that they played last year and all completed two series and now into the third series here, all of those teams, all seven of those teams that they have played have not combined to win enough games to win a seven-game series against the Warriors. For anybody out there that wants to tell you there's any suspense left, seven different teams combined in the postseason have not won enough games to win a series against the Golden State Warriors. Maybe the Rockets are going to be able to win one. I think what's going to happen is Golden State is going to come out and drub them in game two, and this thing's going to be officially over. Then it wouldn't stun me if the Rockets come back and win a game because just like when the Spurs won or the Cavs won or the Pelicans won, once the Warriors have asserted dominance, it's like they'll, they're they willing to jog along the training path as part of the boxing training, and every now and then they don't give it their full effort. But I think this series, I think the Warriors are legitimately energized because a lot of people were picking the Rockets to win and because they were saying, oh, the Rockets have got what it takes to get past the Warriors. Please. This morning, and certainly last night, James Harden and Chris Paul had to come to a realization, which is this team is not good enough to beat the Warriors. They kind of thought it maybe in the back of their head already. Now they definitely think it. And I would start to expect to see this Warriors team unravel just a little bit. Because we've seen before, Chris Paul, when things don't go well, his teammates don't really like him. He's a great front runner, but as soon as things start going poorly, he looks around to point uh, fingers at other people and to blame them for why he's not having better success. The truth of the matter is this. The Rockets can't defend. They gave up 54 uncontested points last night. Clay Thompson was just sitting out there shooting wide open three-point. Not even anybody remotely running at him. It was like he was playing in an all-star game at times with some of the looks that he got. Steph didn't really get that many good outside looks. They did a good job kind of stifling him around the uh, around the uh, the three-point line. Got a lot of layups. Got a lot of getting to the basket and finishing. And usually that's what Steph does not spectacularly well because he's not an explosive athlete. He got to the rim last night and he finished at a pretty high rate. And I just don't see anything that's going to change the outcome of this game or this series. Rockets going down in at worst. I said five before this uh, game one. I'm telling you right now, I think it's more likely to be four than it is five. And I think it's way more likely to be four than it is six. 
there's zero percent chance the Houston Rockets are going to come back and win this series. And this is basically the NBA Finals. NBA doesn't have a league. They got a player. We'll talk about it. Uh, I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Uh, we will open up your li- phone lines. We got a lot to get to, by the way. Uh, the uh, the other aspect of what was going on, the NHL, Vegas Golden Knights, if you are a Vegas fan, went on the road, won at Winnipeg. That series is tied up at one apiece. The Vegas Golden Knights, one of the best stories anywhere in the world of sports, started the season 300-1 to to win the Stanley Cup. Now they are in decent shape, tied up 1-1, coming back to Vegas with the Winnipeg traveling with them. Uh, tonight, we've got a couple of big games that we can unpack. Uh, we've got the Cavs must-have, must-win game against the Boston Celtics in order to stay in any kind of decent shape in that series. And we've also got the Washington Capitals, I believe, hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning with a chance to go up 3-0 after putting two beatings on Tampa Bay on the road in uh, in Tampa. Uh, we will discuss all of that. More importantly, in the larger universe Sports gambling. The decision finally came down from the Supreme Court. I'm going to walk you through why it matters, how I think the world of sports will change with this ruling having now uh, been implemented 7-2 to uh, in part, 6-3 to in other parts. The Supreme Court has weighed in on uh, sports gambling and said that New Jersey has the right to permit sports gambling and uh, that as a result... Uh, so does uh, so does every other state. The federal law that prohibited every state outside of uh, Nevada and several others that had had different variations of sports gambling before that law went into effect in 1992 is unconstitutional, violates the Tenth Amendment, separation of powers between state and federal government. We will unpack everything surrounding that story as well. And there is a lot to get to, and I believe it's one of the four most fundamental changes that will have happened in most of our sporting lives. Uh, Those four, by the way, the rise of cable, television, and what it meant for sports. Uh, The uh, Supreme Court decision in 1983, which allowed the the individual conferences to sell their games to television networks as opposed to the NCAA retaining those rights uh, in the world of football. Uh, Number three, the rise of fantasy football. And this, I believe, will be the biggest change that we have seen in our lives to the way that sports is marketed and shared. For those of us out there uh, who want and understand this story, it's going to be seismic. All of that still to come. I am Clay Travis. Warriors, congratulations on their 2019 NBA title. This is Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Let me bring in the crew. Jason Martin, is this series over? Yeah, it was over before it started. And I was looking at one stat last night that wasn't necessarily from the game the biggest takeaway from the game at least to me is that James Harden scored 41 and it still looked like the Warriors handled it like Harden can't play too much better than that you're not going to expect more than about 41 from that guy and Chris Paul showed up as well but they played ISO basketball again which is what I said yesterday would doom them they don't pass the ball of the 30 teams in the NBA during the regular season Golden State passed the ball the fourth most in the NBA that's kind of how they've won 
They don't care necessarily who scores. They move the ball continuously. That's what Steve Kerr has preached, and that's what's changed them. Do you know where the Houston Rockets are in terms of total passes for the season? How about I know dead James last? Harden, yeah, James Harden keeps 30th. the ball an awful lot. 30th out of 30. The only assists are from James Harden to Chris Paul and Chris Paul to James Harden. The Houston Rockets passed the ball less than the Oklahoma City Thunder this season. You cannot beat Golden State doing that. And everybody said this on the broadcast last night, and I was watching it for myself. No one even had to say it. James Harden was expending so much energy scoring last night that by the end of this series, he's going to be completely and totally worn out. Nobody else wearing a Rockets jersey was hot because they weren't expecting to get the basketball. Eric Gordon is completely, basically just out of sorts right now. And then Clint Capella, every time he touched it, good things happened, but he didn't touch it very much. Uh, At least four of his shots, four of his scores of his 12 points last night came on lob dunks from Harden as he was penetrating uh, in transition. So you look at that, you look at Ariza got into foul trouble. If he's able to stay on the floor and play more than 23 minutes, that helps a little bit. But let's be real. Steph Curry didn't play well last night. He missed some open looks. Klay Thompson was not hot in the first half, got hot in the third quarter. Kevin Durant was definitely otherworldly last night. But the Warriors can play far better than they played last night. And it seemed like they easily handled Houston. I'm going to stick with six just because that's what I predicted before. But I would not be the least bit surprised to see either four or five in this series. What the NBA desperately needs is for this series to go deep and then the Warriors to go ahead and win it and then the other series to go deep and LeBron James to come back and win it just so you've got LeBron, the biggest star, against the juggernaut, basically the equivalent of the Yankees right now uh, of the late 90s now with the Warriors. That's what you need. I still think the Celtics are going to get the job done and knock LeBron out. But this Warriors-Rockets thing... If they won by 13 last night on the road in Houston, when Houston was just all pumped and all ready, and you got over 60 points combined, and you got 41 alone from James Harden, that ain't good. Like, I don't think anything's going to get easier. It's not like all of a sudden they're going to be able to guard Kevin Durant. Like, there's nobody that plays for Houston that can guard Kevin Durant. The difference, the other difference between the Warriors and the Rockets outside of passing is the defense. The Warriors play great defense. The Rockets do not. What about you guys in L.A.? Is it over? Yeah, uh, well, first, the good news. I hit the under by half a point. That, I, that, I knew there were a lot of gamblers out there yeah. because the fouling late, I still Ooh. don't understand why they, they why yes. the Rockets were suddenly fouling. Yeah, usually, when Iguodala stepped up to the free throw line, I'm like, why, why, why? Yeah, that wasn't usually, necessary. Usually the NBA uh, is the one place where the NBA is definitely better. College basketball will take forever to finish the final couple of minutes because they always foul. They always overcoach. They take a ton of timeouts. The NBA, I think as the shot clock is shorter, and also because these guys play so many games, they don't aggressively foul down the stretch in the same way they do in college. And so that's usually the benefit you get is that they'll let the clock uh, go ahead and uh, and finish. But those fouls were completely unnecessary. The bad news, I was holding out hope like a lot of other NBA fans that we would see some new blood in the Western Conference. But what we saw was... In the first half, the Rockets could play with the Warriors, but in the second half, they could not stay with them. The Warriors just have another gear that no other NBA team has. And so that's why you and a lot of hosts around the country are declaring the Warriors the winners already. It's going to take a perfect game 
from the Rockets, that ISO ball, they're going to have to chuck that out the window. They're going to have to take advantage of the mismatches, especially around the rim with Capella, which they did not do enough of, and they totally went away from in the second half. It was pretty frustrating, and as the announcers kept pointing out, the Warriors blow out a lot of teams in the third quarter, and that didn't happen, but what did the Rockets do in the fourth quarter? They laid down, and they ran out of By gas. Way, it was it was just a bad ending for the Rockets. It almost happened in the third quarter if uh, if Steve Kerr had not pulled Kevin Durant for like two minutes or a minute and a half or however long yeah. he pulled him out. I think the Rockets went on an 8-0 run. I believe the Warriors were up 13 when Kevin Durant got pulled, and he was like, no, 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 don't pull me. I'm going, uh, you know, I'm shooting hot. I, I wouldn't have surprised me there if the Warriors wouldn't have stretched it out to 17 or 18 and effectively ended the game there. It didn't matter. They still stretched it out. I don't think the Rockets got closer than four, uh, maybe in the uh, in the remainder of that game um, after uh, after the Rockets went up 13 late in the third. I think it got cut to four, but I don't think it ever got closer than four. And uh, and Golden State just had so many open looks. It felt yeah. like Clay Thompson had open look after open look uh, every time. Uh, down the stretch in the fourth anytime the Rockets had a little bit of breathing room and you thought oh you know what maybe they're going to make a run it just didn't happen yeah right around the five or four and a half minute mark in the fourth quarter there there should have been that backcourt violation because it yeah. didn't touch they hard had a three to go up 10 right there, right exactly yeah. and they they were on a run right there had they got that ball back they could have cut it we it would have been maybe a different ending but once that happened and the Warriors went up 10 they couldn't crack that 10 point deficit from there on out so it's it's and like jason said it did kind of seem like the warriors were just kind of playing around with them and when they feel like putting their foot on the neck of their opponent they can do it when they feel like it james harden hit a lot of hard shots and i know he's a hard shot maker uh but i thought golden state defended him pretty well and i know he went for 41 but i think if he tried the same shots in game 2 he might go for 26 Right. I mean, so to me, that's what has to make you very nervous if you are the Rockets. He shot really well and made a lot of very difficult shots that I don't think he's going to make consistently in this series. So in the same way that I expect tonight for LeBron to come out and score 40 points and like leave every bit of energy he has on the court trying to win game two. I think we already saw that from James Harden. I mean, Harden went 14 of 24 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3. And it was not as if he were just standing out there shooting wide open looks. I mean, he hit a lot of hard shots. And so he could take those same 24 shots next game, and it wouldn't stun me at all if he goes 9 for 24, right? And just has a good game, not a great game, doesn't go 5 for 9 from 3, um, you know, Chris Paul did not dis- disappear. Uh, he wasn't great shooting. I mean, he could certainly have a better shooting night. But again, I just look at this and say, man, Steph didn't even play that well. I mean, he was one for five from three. If I had told you that Steph was going to go one for five from three, that Draymond was going to score five points, and uh, that then you would have felt pretty good, I think, about your odds of getting a win in this game if you were... Houston, I just think the Warriors, even though they won game one by 13 points, can take it to another level. Now, it doesn't mean the the Rockets might not win a game or at the far outset two games in this series, but I think it's more likely that the Warriors sweep than that the Rockets win five. I really do. 
uh, sorry, Rockets win one and push this to five. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, find out what's trending the world of sports. Then on the flip side, I want to talk uh, a little bit of gambling uh, to close out hour one and also begin hour two. But what's up, Eddie? Well, it's time for your Geico playoff report. Of course, you're talking about it. Game one of the Western Conference Finals in the NBA and the defending champs had a big second half to pull away from the Rockets, outscoring Houston 63-50 in that second half. The Warriors get the 119-106 victory led by Kevin Durant's 37 points. Clay Thompson, 28 points. Golden State with a 1-0 series lead. NHL playoffs. Game 2 Western Conference Finals. Golden Knights beat the Jets in Winnipeg 3-1. Jonathan Marchessault with a pair of goals and Marc-Andre Fleury at 30 saves in net. That series is tied at 1-1. The U.S. Supreme Court struck down a long-standing federal law banning sports gambling. The decision now allows individual states to determine whether they will allow sports betting or not. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And one note from the NFL where New York Giants star Eli Manning has settled a lawsuit just days before trial. The Super Bowl winning quarterback was accused of selling bogus game-worn equipment to collectors. Now back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Appreciate you uh, giving us that update, Eddie Garcia. You know what? Let's go ahead and do. Let's take a little bit of an earlier break than normal here. We'll come back and I'll unpack all of the Supreme Court decision, what it's going to mean for sports fans going forward. I'll also open up phone lines. If you guys have any questions, I will answer them uh, after I break down and explain to you why this case matters, why it's a big deal, and how it's going to change sports. 877-996-6369. You can also wait hear my explanation, then call in. We can do it at the top of hour two. Uh, appreciate all of you spending your Tuesday morning with us here. Outkate the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Some of you will remember back in December... I did the show for several days from uh, Washington, D.C. as prelude for uh, being able to watch the Supreme Court argument in the uh, the state of New Jersey challenging uh, the PASPA ruling, which had prohibited other states from deciding that they wanted to allow sports gambling. So I was in there in the Supreme Court for the oral arguments. I came out. Uh, the next day, I told you that I predicted that New Jersey was going to win 6-3, to three, which they ended up doing on part of the case. They won overall 7-2. to two. Uh, What actually happened yesterday? I feel like there are a lot of you out there right now who either gamble on sports or you're at least interested in gambling on sports and you're curious about what exactly transpired yesterday. So yesterday, um, let me give you a background. In 1992, Senator Bill Bradley, who was a great basketball player and then became a senator from New Jersey, decided that sports gambling was a threat to the overall uh, integrity of the NBA, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, college sports. All of it was threatened by large-scale sports gambling. So Congress passed a law in 1992 that prohibited any state that did not act within a year to allow sports gambling within its borders from ever doing so. That's how, for instance, the state of Nevada, when you got on an airplane and you landed in Las Vegas or you drove in from California or you're in Reno or wherever you were, 
they had sports gambling already inside the 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 uh, Vegas casinos inside the state, and so they were allowed to continue to do it. If you didn't have it, then you weren't allowed to do it. Well, New Jersey decided, the state of New Jersey, obviously where Atlantic City is located, decided that one thing that could make Atlantic City more popular was to allow sports gambling. And the people of the state of New Jersey voted on this, and 60% of them agreed that sports gambling should be legal in their state. So they tried to enact sports gambling in their state. Uh, The federal government sued, said, you're violating PASPA, we're not going to allow this. Eventually, the Supreme Court took the case, and now by a 7-2 margin in parts and a 6-3 margin in other parts, the Supreme Court has said that this PASPA law that was passed in 1992 to prohibit other states from allowing sports gambling is unconstitutional. Why was it unconstitutional? And I'm giving you a kind of broader scale version, but this is, this is pretty good detail because the Supreme Court found that it violated the 10th Amendment effectively and it forced the states to take an action that the Congress did not have the uh, power to force on the states. Now, Going back to your high school civics, which is probably the last time that any of you spend any time on this, essentially the United States government is organized to allow the states to be laboratories. That's the theory under federalism precepts. And so the idea is that the individual states should have the opportunity to pass their own state laws when that uh, power is not specifically given to the federal government. And so you have this constant interplay between is the federal government going to be more powerful? Are state governments going to be more powerful? And you see it play out in a lot of different cases, including if you've been following this, potentially whether or not marijuana should be legal in states, right? There are federal laws that would prohibit marijuana from being legal in states like Colorado, in states like Washington, in places that have decriminalize California medical marijuana, there is still and 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 consensual marijuana use by people who are not even net claiming that they have a medical necessity for it. Uh, there is that that conflict between federal and state law. Well, here, the Supreme Court said that Congress did not have the ability to take away this right from individual state governments. Congress could, come out and implement a law on a federal level that dealt with sports gambling on a national scale, which I think is what a lot of the leagues would prefer as opposed to this hodgepodge of laws that we might now get. But I think the ultimate impact for a lot of you out there listening to me right now is that many of you by football season will be able to legally gamble on sports in your states. Now, What is that going to look like? Well, it depends on what states actually end up doing. Uh, If you look at Nevada, for example, as an example, uh, they have sports wagering inside of casinos, obviously. If you've been to Las Vegas, for instance, you can walk into a sports book. But they also have phone wagering. If you have the apps for all of the different, uh, different casinos, you can wager just as easily from your phone as you can from going into a casino. Uh, Will you be required to go to a physical location and place a wager? I don't know. I hope if I am making decisions in the States that I would be progressive enough to understand that due to offshore betting, 
due to a lot of other technological innovations, the number of people who are going to get in their car and drive somewhere to place a bet. There may be people who want to do that, but by and large, I think this needs to be an online-based business. And certainly, if you are dynamically wagering in-game or you're placing a wager at halftime or any of those uh, aspects, there's no way most people are going to get in their car and drive somewhere to place a halftime bet. The lines would be long. It wouldn't be efficient. I think individual states are going to need to allow online gambling to take place uh, and and specifically to take place from smartphones, which is where I believe the majority of people in their 20s and 30s for sure go to make a bet. So uh, this is a major seismic change in the way that sports is going to be consumed. I think it's going to change everything. It wouldn't stun me if there's not immediately sports gambling television shows. You know, I was a part with my buddy Todd Furman, who you've heard a lot on the show, and actually is going to join us at the start of Hour 3. I was on a lot of these uh, uh, front lines. We did a show live for the first time ever from the Westgate Sportsbook in Vegas. I think we're still just about the first people ever on a national cable network to do a live show from a sportsbook. We did that for multiple years in Las Vegas. Um, We uh, did a show and a segment on the show where we talked about sports gambling. I think the money that is going to pour in here is going to be such that, you know how initially uh, you started to see a lot of fantasy sports television shows? I think this is going to dwarf fantasy sports. Because I think by and large, the number of guys, and it's almost all guys, but some girls will do it as well, the number of guys and girls who are going to gamble is going to be seismic. I think eventually you're going to be able to be uh, watching a game and live wager inside of a game. I think every league will have their own gambling partner. the Just like they have their own beer, just like they have their own uh, soft drink, just like they have their own shoe. I think every league, I think every team will have their own uh, their own betting uh, parlor that they're associated with. I think it's likely that it could end up on the jerseys. I think all of this is going to seismically alter the way that you and I and everybody else out there listening consume sports. I would not be surprised if you start to hear announcers specifically reference sporting lines, not like kinds of hinting around at it, actually referencing it because they found that sports ratings go up substantially when games are close to the over-under or the betting line more people watch. This won't be a surprise to those of us who gamble, but if you're not sure whether or not you're going to win your bet, more people watch uh, the uh, more people watch the broadcast. You just heard Danny G early in the show talking about the over/under in Golden State and uh, and Houston last night. I think that will be discussed live during the broadcast. I think there are so many different potential outcomes for what could occur surrounding this. But I think in the last 40 years, there's been four now. I would say dynamic things that have changed the way the average sports fan consumes sports. First was cable. Cable fundamentally changed everything because it gave so many more hours of programming for fans to have. You can basically watch every single game that you want to watch. The reason why you can is because cable, that's what changed the number of games that were televised and fundamentally altered the way we consume sports as fans. The second biggest uh, change, 1983 Supreme Court ruling, Oklahoma and Georgia sued the NCAA because you don't know this probably because you haven't paid a lot of attention, especially if you're a young guy. 
but the NCAA in college football used to control all of the television product. And they used to restrict how many games were on television because they were afraid that it would hurt the gate. And when the Supreme Court ruled that was an antitrust violation on behalf of the NCAA, it gave the power from the NCAA back to the conferences, which is how we ended up with these mega conferences that exist today, a big Pac-12, a big SEC, a big uh, ACC, and a big Big Ten. All of that happened because of that 1983 Supreme Court ruling. Third overall, I think this is starting to wane, but fantasy football, fantasy sports in general, exploded on the scene with the rise of the internet. Starting in about 97, 98, the turn of the century, all of a sudden, everybody started playing fantasy football in particular, but certainly fantasy sports in general, and television ratings in the NFL and specifically skyrocketed as a result because you suddenly had a reason to watch so many different games and root for so many different players. And then now I think this fantasy uh, football impact is going to be dwarfed by the impact from the legalization of sports gambling. I'm opening up phone lines. What questions do you have for me? I'm going to put my lawyer hat and answer them all for you at the start of hour two, 877-996-6369. Any sports gambling question you have about the overall impact of this Supreme Court decision, fire away, 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. If you're just waking up across the country, the Warriors broke the Rockets' heart. I think there's a decent chance it's going to be a sweep. The biggest news in the world of sports, honestly, in terms of the long-range impact of the sport, seismically altered by the outcome of a Supreme Court decision that was released yesterday morning, shortly after we finished the show. Uh, the Supreme Court ruling, partly 7-2, partly 6-3, that individual states would have the right to decide whether or not they would permit sports gambling, that the federal prohibition on sports gambling was unconstitutional under the Tenth Amendment's commandeering clause. And as a result, now we have basically the Wild West opening up in every individual state having the opportunity to introduce bills to allow sports gambling to take place. So far, I believe there are 44 states plus uh, additionally Mississippi and uh, the state of Nevada which have casino gambling and don't, I don't think, allow uh, the lottery. But regardless, there's going to be about 46 states that I would think would seriously contemplate adding uh, sports gambling. And I think many of them uh, six, seven, eight different states by the time football starts this fall, I think you'll be able to bet legally inside of your state's borders. Uh, Paul Paps from the Dan Patrick Show going to lead us off, and then we have some calls from you guys. I said open up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. What questions do you have about this ruling and its overall impact? Uh, Paul will be on next with the Dan Patrick Show. What's up, my man? What you got? Hey, buddy, I've been thinking about this all night, all morning, and one of the angles I was thinking about is fantasy football, and you mentioned it last segment. Could this spill into fantasy football? Because when I used to do fantasy football in the 90s and 2000s, when websites kind of took it over, and you know, they, the fantasy football, all your friends could get together, and it could be housed on you know, foxsports.com, ESPN.com, and all the different dot-coms, and we would have side bets, but we couldn't bet there on their website. I was wondering if fantasy football websites, uh, networks, could make tiers of betting with your fantasy football team, like if you want to join the $5,000 league, like you have to fund it, 
but at the end they pay it out and they house it there. Could this spill into fantasy football? And would networks and websites have the legality to host betting fantasy football leagues? Yeah, it's a fantastic question. And what you're really getting at is how is this going to, and it's a really smart question, because how is this going to work? Because if you read the Supreme Court opinion, what you learn is every individual state could have the right to enact sports gambling, but would you allow people to be able to get sports gamble across state lines? So right. to answer your question, I can see how a state could allow a fantasy football league where everybody was doing it inside their respective state. In other words, let's say you're all from New York or you're all from California, or you're all from Texas, Florida, Tennessee, wherever you live. As long as all the members of your fantasy football league were in the same state, then I think that could be permissible because it would be inside of the state and under one state's laws. But that gets complicated when you have people from different states because then you're talking about interstate commerce, which is typically more of a federal-related law, but then you have to figure out how the state laws are going to be implicated. For instance, let's say that uh, I live in Tennessee. Let's say that you and I, Paul, are in uh, are in a uh, are in a, a, a league together. Right. Let's say my state allows that to happen, but your state and your and the Northeast is even more confusing because you guys cross state borders more frequently than other people in other parts of the country de- do. But let's say Connecticut has one law, New Jersey has one, Massachusetts has a different one. And New York has a different one, and that's where all four of your fantasy football uh, teammates are located. Then I don't know that you could unless we have a national law for sports gambling, which is what the leagues want to have happen, because then they know that the rules are going to be the same for their broadcasts in every different market, uh, as opposed to allowing some things to happen in Tennessee, some things to happen in Connecticut, some things to happen in California. So the well, answer to your question is it's like not every cl- other person in this country. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can move to Nashville like everybody else. But the answer to your question is it's not clear. And the other thing is, and it's a really good question for this reason, like I'm going to Florida this weekend. Let's say that I want to gamble legally on sports, and I have the ability to do that in Tennessee, but when I dra- drive to Alabama and to Florida, are you really telling me, that I could be able to legally do something as long as I'm inside one state's borders, but when I'm in Florida, I wouldn't be able to do that. Well, I think the answer for most guys out there who are gamblers is just going to be, screw it, I'll just get an offshore and be able to use my phone to gamble anywhere, which is why I think if you are going to get in this business, if you're states, you have to be progressive, not regressive. Good stuff. What do you guys got on DP show today? Oh, we have uh, Mark Cuban on the show today oh, big and time. Um, Charles Barkley on the show today. So those guys know about this topic. They definitely know about this topic. Have a good show, my man. Uh, people Later, should bud. definitely listen to that. Um, let me take your calls, additional questions that you guys have. Justin in L.A. What's up, Justin? Hey, good morning. How you guys doing? Living the dream, Justin. Hey, so uh, I kind of dropped on not too long ago and I heard the end of it, but uh, I live out in California and I know we're pretty strict on our gambling. We don't um, as far as I know, um, but I did hear you mention that it, it, it's not a federal federal law yet. What do you think the odds are of them actually allowing this in California? Yeah, I mean, I think individual state decisions. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure from guys who, and and girls, but mostly guys who want to gamble on sports to allow it. And then I think you get into if it's allowed, what's it going to look like? And Europe and Australia both offer interesting kind of ideas of what this will look like. 
because both of them are ahead of America in terms of legalizing sports gambling. And I was in Europe, uh, and in particular in England, which I think is obviously the most uh, similar to America country in all of Europe. And they have these sports gambling shops everywhere all over the country. I mean, every block has multiple sports gambling locations where you can walk in and place a bet, almost like a CVS or a Walgreens. They have these little boutiques everywhere where you can go into a physical location and place a bet. Hell, I'm going over to London for the for the Titans-Chargers uh, game. You can actually gamble on English Premier League soccer inside the stadiums. And so uh, with little kiosks that they have, you can gamble on a sporting event just as easily as you can get a beer. And so I think what is going to happen is once this officially starts, there's going to be a rapid demand that we make it as easy as we possibly can. Uh, and uh, I, I think that, that once this gets rolling, the amount of money that's going to be associated with this is going to be the greatest benefit to the TV networks, to the sports leagues, and to, frankly, the players that we've ever seen. I really do. Ronnie in Chicago. What's up, Ronnie? Yeah, hey, how you doing? Um, I think this is so great, man, Clay. Uh, you know, I, I've been on a lot of the sports online uh, betting sites and some of them it's taking me over a year to get my money. Yep. My question to you today is, do you think the, 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 the way that this is going to run as far as tax purposes is going to be along the lines of like FanDuel, they pay you out, and then maybe uh, at the end of the year if you uh, exceeded XYZ amount of money, they send you your W-9s and you do your own, your own taxes on it? Or yeah, how, do, no, how it's- exactly do you yeah, it's a smart question, and that's a. I mean, a lot of people who are regular gamblers immediately say, "Well, wait a minute. If I got my bookie, my bookie's not reporting my winnings. So if I win ten grand in sports gambling, technically you're supposed to pay taxes on that. But hell, are you paying in California if you win ten grand gambling uh, from your bookie? Are you paying five grand of that in state and federal taxes? I bet the vast majority of you are not. Um, and so. That, yeah, I think that the easy answer is for the regulated sports books out there, they will give you, based on what you gamble throughout the course of the year, a profit and loss tax statement just like your broker would be obligated to do. I mean, I don't know about you, I've got an E-Trade account. And at the end of the year, I go into my E-Trade account and I say, okay, how much did I make off stock off the stock market buying and selling stocks in 2018 or 2017 or whatever year? And they have that document for me there, and I give it to my accountant, and I pay taxes on it. And I think that's what would happen uh, with sports gambling when you are doing it in a regulated manner. Now, every state will decide how they're going to tax this. I think certainly the companies will be taxed, uh, just like every company is inside of a state's borders. Um, I think the easiest example for what this is going to look like is uh, take it outside of the world of sports gambling right now. You know how uh, every state has its own rules for alcohol. If you travel very much in this country, you know that you can go into one state and you can buy beer at a certain hour on Sunday. And in another state, you can't. And in some places, you can get wine in grocery stores and liquor in grocery stores. I think, for instance, in California, you can, if I'm not mistaken, you can buy beer, wine, and liquor all in a grocery store. Well, I know in my home state of Tennessee, they had a huge battle over this. The only place you could get uh, liquor is in official liquor stores, 
and you had to go into a liquor store to get wine too. They had specific wine stores. Now grocery stores can carry wine and beer, but they can't carry liquor. So every state has its own rules about alcohol. Now, the the the, the impact of that on a larger scale is bigger for the distributors than it is for you. In other words, if you want a Bud Light in California and you want one in Florida, it doesn't taste any different, but the way that you can buy it is different. And you might have restrictions about what percentage of alcohol the beers can have and everything else. That is, I think, what we are likely to end up with in sports gambling in that we don't have a federal, necessarily, law on uh, on alcohol. Now, we have federal laws on how old you have to be to drink alcohol, right? You have to be 21 uh, in order to buy alcohol in the continental United States. I think you only have to be 18 in Puerto Rico, and you have to be 18 in the Hawaii, I believe I'm correct, and you have to be 18 years old, I know, in the U.S. Virgin Islands where I used to live. Do you know why? Because there's no federal highway system. The way we got a national drinking age in this country of 21 was Congress passed a law and predicated on that law passing uh, in order to get federal highway dollars, states had to agree to make the national drinking age 21. So for places like Hawaii, Puerto Rico, the U.S. Virgin Islands, where there's no federal highway system, there is no drinking age of 21. And before that federal highway legislation passed, there was a hodgepodge of different laws about what the age of, uh, of, of majority is for purposes of buying alcohol. Now, if you are a young guy or uh, you're, you're at all interested in kind of fascinating law, I'll give you one that we talked about when I was in law school. Look at age of consent. Age of consent is different in every state. In other words, and I don't have the age of consent in front of me right now, but in every state that you live in, there is a different age of consent. So I think the age of consent in Alabama is like 16 years old. The age of consent in uh, Texas may well be 18, and I'm not trying to give you legal advice on what the age of consent is, but if you want to know how crazy laws can be, there's a uh, Wikipedia page, you can pull it up, and look at the fact that we have 50 different ages of consent. There isn't a national marrying age. Some states will allow you to get married a lot earlier than others. Individual states, I would say, if you want to look at all the differences of the law, that's an easy place to go look. Look at age of consent. Look at alcohol laws. Um, I think those are examples of how individual states can make their own determinations on what the law will be. The other angle to consider is uh, the lottery. What Paul Pabst asked a question of, and I'm going to get to a couple more of your calls here in a sec, but what Paul Pabst asked a question of, and it was a smart one, was let's say you want to basically cross-state gamble. Is that going to be permissible? Well, well, with the national lottery, it is, right? We have like the, the Powerball. The Powerball has been up to you know six, $700 million, if I'm not mistaken. That's where you can buy a national lottery ticket. But every individual state also has its own individual state lotteries. And so will there be the equivalent of a Powerball in the world of sports gambling where you can have the right to gamble in multiple different states just like you can go to multiple different states to buy Powerball? I don't know. That's one of the things that will have to be uh, decided. Let's go ahead and uh, take a couple more of your calls here before we go to break. We're talking about the Supreme Court decision to legalize sports gambling 
uh, effectively giving the individual states the opportunity to decide on their own. Let's go to Gary in Tennessee. What's up, Gary? Hey, good morning, Clay. Let's suppose our great state of Tennessee legalizes sports gambling across the board, and let's say that Clay Travis opens up the Outkick Sportsbook. Clay, do you have to have any sort of permission or any sort of relationship with any of the leagues that you're going to be betting on, or can you do whatever the hell you want to do? And thank you for the time, buddy. Man, that guy's already hit the coke early. Um, Yeah, it's a good question. I think who is able to open a casino inside of a state's borders will be a big deal what is required in order to open a sports book. My argument would be if I'm a uh, if I'm a sports gambling purveyor, hell no, I don't need to give any money to the leagues. Why would I need to give any money to the leagues? I think the way that the leagues are going to make money off of sports gambling is by making more money off television rights because advertising dollars are going to increase, is by selling individual team and league rights uh, to gambling two individual uh, of these of these companies, is by, if you go look at an English Premier League interview now, the screen behind the coach as he's being interviewed, at least half of the ads are different sports books. So I think that's how the leagues are going to make money. I think it's insane that they think they're going to get a share of every bet that's placed. Now, if the bets are being placed inside of their venue, yes, they should certainly get it. But the idea that they're going to make money off, they don't make money off bets now. The NCAA or the leagues don't get money when you walk into a Las Vegas casino and place a bet. The leagues don't get any money for that. That's ludicrous to think that they would. Uh, Nathan in Ohio. What's up, Nathan? Hey, thanks for making my call. Um, I just wanted to get your take on this. Do you think that this would play, uh, you know, have any influence on Major League Baseball finally allowing Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame? <laughs> Oh man, it's the new Mount. Thanks for the call. It's the new Mount Rushmore. Um, I think that it could, frankly, because I, if if sports gambling becomes insanely commonplace over the next five to six years from a legal perspective, I think there could be a push to get Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame. Now, here's the challenge on that. The challenge on that is I think leagues are still going to ban individual players from gambling on sports because they want the integrity of their game to be unquestioned. And if you are gambling on sports, even if you are gambling on yourself, as opposed to betting against your team or against your own performance, even if you're betting on yourself to do well, I think that that creates a mess for the league. So I think their prescription needs to be that players can't gamble. I think that's going to be the general consensus. And by the way, for people out there who are like, what if we get a Black Sox scandal? What if we get a match fixing everything else? Sports gambling becoming legalized actually makes it more difficult to fix a sporting event because the leagues and the uh, all of the uh, all of the gambling companies would become aware of abnormal betting patterns and they would pull the line off off the board. This happens all the time. Anytime there's a major injury. They will immediately, or major trade, they pull the line because they're like, okay, let's reassess what the likelihood of something happening here is going to be. Uh, By the way, Jason Martin or uh, the guys in LA, Danny G and Justin, do you guys have any questions about this? Uh, Good questions and good calls from you guys. Uh, Not necessarily. I mean, uh, you have far more expertise on this than I ever will. The one thing that I heard yesterday, just kind of doing a little bit of research, reading a couple of things from some other attorneys and experts in the sports gambling field, 
would be that it looks like, at least on some estimates, it could take five years to potentially even be a majority of the country. And then there are states, and one of them made sense. Utah made total sense because they're of never the going religious to allow connotations yes. there. Right. And then the other one was a little bit more strange to me. Another one that I saw suggested that would be very hard would be Florida because of Disney's lobbying power. I just wonder if you had any potential way to expound on that for me. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people out there immediately when this ruling comes down, they tweet me and they say, hey, what's this mean for California? What's it mean for Florida, Texas, New York? Like, whatever state you live in, I think in general, most sports fans would like sports gambling to be easier. Um, I don't know on the politics. My general position on this is that every state that allows a lottery will ultimately end up allowing sports gambling. And if you have casinos in your state, I believe you will also have sports books there. So, for instance, Mississippi has gone all in, starting with the Tunica casinos, and they have them down in Biloxi now and everything else. Mississippi will have sports gambling. I would be stunned inside of their sports books if they don't by football season. They may not allow you to gamble anywhere else inside of the state because the lobby for the casino is going to be so powerful. I believe I am correct in this. Nevada is all in on gambling, right? Casinos. I don't believe the state of Nevada allows the lottery to take place. And that's because the politics of casinos is such that they're saying, no, no, no. If you want to gamble, you have to come into our casino establishments to do it. And so I think that will be a certain hindrance some places. Like Utah, you mentioned, does not allow sports gambling and or gambling in general. And that's why so many Mormons go to Las Vegas so regularly because there are so many people in Utah who want to gamble. So I think if you live in Utah, it's unlikely that sports gambling would be legal there. But I think in all of the states that have casino gambling, or have a lottery, which I believe is like 46 or 47 of the states, I think they'll eventually have legalized sports gambling. Eventually. So I heard, I heard Mark Cuban say this yesterday, and we heard Paul Papp say he's going to be on DP later on this morning. That should be interesting, especially after this. But I think Cuban said yesterday that every sports franchise, every professional sports franchise in the country will become twice as lucrative. The, yeah, they doubled the franchise value. Yeah, so, but maybe maybe this is a dumb question. This is, again, me coming from a place of ignorance. But if you're the Utah Jazz, how does that work for you? Well, I think Compared they would, to everything else. Would they yeah, then well, I mean, potentially I think they, try to leave? Uh, it's, a, it's, actually no? a real, it's actually a really good question. If the money became so significant, first of all, the Utah Jazz could get a share of any national monies that the NBA in general got. Right, Even though sports gambling might be illegal inside of their state, they are a part of the 30-team NBA franchise. And so they would get a share of any kind of national money that could come from sports gambling. But could, let's say, the Sacramento Kings uh, and the LA Lakers and all of these other teams in the Western Conference that the Utah Jazz are competing with could those franchises all have more substantial revenue streams than the Utah Jazz because gambling is legal in their state and it's not legal elsewhere? Yeah. Yeah, that could certainly be the case. Um, you know, Now, I would argue that, uh, that that can happen now already, right? I mean, you can charge more money for courtside seats to the Lakers, I'm betting, than you can for courtside seats to the Jazz. Right, Every NBA franchise or every franchise in general has a different cost structure. It costs more 
to sit courtside at the New York Knicks than it does at the Orlando Magic. So every business is run in its own way. Same thing is true in the NFL. My PSLs, to be a personal seat license holder in Nashville, Tennessee, are substantially different than what somebody would pay to be a personal seat license holder with the San Francisco 49ers. Every team has different revenues and different opportunities based on teams that are located in their backyard. Levi's is paying a lot more money to the 49ers than Levi's would probably pay to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because the Levi's is based in California, right? All of those things happen. But it could be a substantial impact in terms of the overall valuation of a franchise if the dollar figures coming from sports gambling are as substantial as many of us, Mark Cuban and myself included, believe could end up happening. It's, it, it is going to open, I think, a massive new front in the world of sports. I think, just in general, there will be, uh, there will be so many television shows that will focus on sports gambling. Uh, I think there will be a lot of radio shows. I think, for instance, this show that, that we do, I think we'll probably talk, we already talk a decent amount of sports gambling. I think we will talk more sports gambling in the years ahead than we have in the years past. Uh, in the same way that you saw sort of fantasy football colonize the world of sports, like slowly start to move into the world of sports. And like 20 years ago, if you had been sitting around listening to Sports Talk Radio and there had been a fantasy football expert on, you'd have been like, what the hell's going on on this show? This is crazy. Nowadays, I think it's kind of standard. We'll talk to Alex Marvez a little bit about this. In hour three, we'll go out to Las Vegas, talk to my guy Todd Furman. We're also going to talk to Petros Papadakis. Guests coming up next. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, Jason Martin, you're asking a good question about Vegas. You want to hit me with it? Yeah, I was just curious. With the floodgates being opened now, with the horses being allowed to roam free outside the barn and just run, how is this going to affect Vegas? Is this going to hurt Vegas and maybe its power structure in some ways? Yeah, it's a good question. I saw a lot of people saying yes. I don't think so. If you look at the revenue from casinos, sports books are like 2% of Vegas casino revenues. Most of the time, the sports book is being offered. We'll ask Todd Furman this in hour three. Most of the time, the sports book is being offered as a uh, sort of luxury for people who are there inside the casinos already. I don't think there are that many people traveling to Vegas just to make sports wagers. I think it's part of part and parcel of why you go to Vegas for the shows, for the clubs, for the restaurants, for the sheer intoxicating atmosphere of Las Vegas fun. And so I think uh, I think this will not substantially alter Vegas any more than uh, than all these uh, you know tribal casinos that have opened any more than all the riverboat casinos and all the other casinos that have opened all over the country in the last 20 years. Vegas has just continued to remain incredibly popular. And I think that's because there's no other place like the strip. And so even if you're able to suddenly gamble on sports uh, on a riverboat or in a casino in downtown New Orleans, it's not like you're comparing that experience with the experience of going to Vegas, by the way, we're having an outkick the weekend in Vegas. 
check my Twitter feed if you're interested in coming and hanging out with us in uh, the 23rd through the 26th of August. We're going to be at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in uh, in Vegas. Let me bring in uh, Alex Marvez. Uh, sorry, let me bring in Eddie Garcia first. Then we'll go to Alex Marvez, who I believe we've got. What's the news, uh, Eddie Garcia? Well, time for your Geico playoff report in the NBA Game 1 Western Conference Finals. A strong second half gives the Warriors a 119-106 win over the Rockets in Houston. Kevin Durant, 37 points. Klay Thompson, 28 points. As Golden State grabs the 1-0 series lead. James Harden, 41 points in the loss for Houston. NHL playoffs, Game 2 Western Conference Finals. Golden Knights beat the Jets in Winnipeg 3-1. Even up that series at one game apiece. This report brought to you by True Car Online. Car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And a couple of notes from the NFL. Fox has announced that their number one team of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman will call Thursday Night Football in addition to Sunday Night Action. And Dean Blandino, who's currently a Fox analyst, former NFL head of officiating, has accepted a job as the director of instant replay with college football officiating, but he will remain on air for college and NFL broadcasts with Fox. Good stuff. Yep. Appreciate that. Uh, coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Let me bring in Alex Marvez. Uh, he is with us now. Alex, how excited is the NFL in reality about this Supreme Court ruling? They're excited if they're able to make some money off it, and you have what's called an integrity fee. Have you dived into that this morning, Clark? Yeah, I think it's ludicrous. Uh, I, I think the idea that, that the, the people who are taking sports bets should have to give money to the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball in any way. Look, the way the leagues are going to make money off of this is more people are going to watch their games. Uh, they are going to be able to sell direct advertising. And this is my opinion. They're going to be able to sell direct advertising just like the English Premier League teams do and everything else. The idea of an integrity fee is ludicrous to me. Your game has integrity already, or else it should be a felony and everybody should be prosecuted for fraud. So uh, I think the leagues need to understand how they're actually going to make money. They're not going to get a share of every bet that's wagered, and if they're arguing that, then there's going to be a ton of offshores that roll in and have a competitive advantage not to have to offer that. Well, I mean, that's the big question about the offshores as well. And, you know, that's look, the NFL, they, okay, we understand that fantasy football is an avenue to gaming, right? I mean, you know, we understand that, and it's really just another form of gambling. So this isn't anything new for the NFL from that standpoint. I'm just saying on their end, they've got to go ahead and make, you know, make a big stink out of this and the fight about it and making sure that everything's on the up and up and all of the bells and whistles that they feel are they're going to argue, do they need a gambling czar to head, you know, the, in the league that handles this directly? Directly, that, that heads up his own security force that works to manage things, and then you need to fund that. That's where the integrity fee comes into play, these sorts of things. Oh, and by the way, does anyone think about gambling as an addiction and how it destroys people's lives and people around them? No one really talks about that during all of this uh, hoopla about the gambling and how 5% of all gamblers, and that's a very conservative estimate, end up becoming real problem gamblers. And I would imagine that that number probably going to skyrocket, uh, quite honestly, uh, yeah, if, I think, when legalized yeah. gambling kicks in. Yeah, it's an interesting point. My thing is, anytime you have issues like this, legalizing it and bringing it into the light of day is better. And what I mean by that is, right now, if you are gambling on sports, then you may well have a bookie. And what a bookie does is what? He extends you credit. There's very little dollars that are actually at play. If you're dealing with a major corporation, 
that major corporation is not going to extend you credit. They're not going to say, oh, Clay Travis, I know you're good for 20 grand more, even though you can't show me that you have that 20 grand right now. So I actually think legalized sports gambling makes problem gamblers less able to actually gamble. And if we're really concerned about uh, issues with gambling, that boat's already sold because we've got state lotteries everywhere. We've got casinos and, and tribal casinos and everything else. If you have a gambling-related issue in your life, one, don't gamble, right? would be like some people just can't handle anything, right? There's some people out there, first time they have a sip of beer, they lose their mind, right? They don't have the ability to control alcohol. They don't have the ability to control gambling. To me, we can't legislate the entire country based on people's inabilities to control themselves, right? That's just my kind of libertarian aspect on this. Uh, but so I, I, I don't I don't think this is going to actually unleash a substantial amount of people who are gambling fiends that wouldn't have already been getting into the business. Oh, I, I disagree on that. I, I really do. I think you're going to end up seeing a lot of folks that say, let me try this. And it's going to be a wide number because it's readily available. I mean, were we talking? You don't think those guys are already trying it? Well, no. Well, because in some cases, I'll be honest with you. If you're a young person, for example, okay, and you're talking about being able to gamble something, and I know there's going to be legislation that says you're 18 years old, but who's to say now that it's easy and you have that type of access to be able to bet in game and the addiction? But that all exists. That that all exists now. I mean, you can gamble in game in real time with your phone easier than you're going to be able to do it probably in almost every state where it's illegal now. Like you can literally pull your like I can pull my phone out right now while I'm talking to you and go on to 25 different offshores and place a bet on anything that I want to. Now, right, the but difference the offshores between are that- tricky, Clay. I mean, that's seriously. I mean, look, I know you have your money stashed in Costa Rica, and you keep going down there with your, quote, family for, quote, vacations. And, and I get all that, okay? But offshore gaming is scary, dude. I mean, you're talking about giving I've never, By the way, people- I've never taken a dollar from an offshore gaming company. No, no, absolutely. This 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 uh, segment sponsored by Offshore Gaming. But my yeah, point is, but- that, Clay, my point is that, listen, we talk about that with Offshore Gaming, and that's very cavalier, but there are folks out there who are hesitant to give their information to Offshore Gaming. And let's not even begin to talk about the nightmares that come sometimes when trying to collect from these folks. You're opening up the floodgates here for people to be able to legally gamble in a state. I'm just saying the numbers are going to go up. I'm not saying they're going to go up to a point that we're going to have to, you know, that people are going to second guess this. Bottom line is that, that honestly, when you gamble, when you gamble, most of the time you lose, and there's going to be a lot of people losing money. And it's interesting as time goes on, as people continue to lose money as they attempt to gamble, will they continue to watch the NFL, and what, or will it turn them off to sports entirely? It's just it's a fair question to ask. I think under these I think, circumstances, I think the vast majority of people gamble on sports to make sports more fun for the same reason they drink a beer while they watch sports. I don't think there are very many people out there who are like, oh, I'm going to make a ton. Of, by the way, can we? bring you back on the flip side because we got to you later. Yeah, Clay, whatever, because you can't keep format. I know, that's fine, whatever. Uh, Alex Marvez is going to join us here on the flip side. We'll call him back. Um, but I, I think, this has been my pitch from the get-go, gambling makes sports more fun. And I think the vast majority of people out there who enjoy gambling on sports are doing it in, in, in instead of going to a movie and spending $40 to go to a movie and you know buy uh, your your popcorn and your and your uh, your ice cream or whatever the heck you want to get your your M&Ms you decide to sit at home on your couch and you're like oh man I think the Cavs are going to cover tonight I'm going to put $40 on the Cavs to cover and that $40 that you spend on that game you could end up winning money but it also to you makes it more fun than it otherwise would be 
And so I think that's why the vast majority of people gamble. I don't think most people out there are like, oh, I'm going to legitimately get rich from gambling. I think they make they gamble because it makes sports more fun to have money on the game, particularly when a lot of these games may end up not being that close down the stretch. If you got money like Danny G was saying on the over-under of uh, what's going to happen in the Warriors and the, uh, and the Rockets game, you're not going to turn it off with a minute left when the Rockets are up 13 and the outcome of the game is already decided. So I think this is good in general for sports. Now, are there going to get be people who uh, have issues and are not able to handle the legalization of sports? Yeah, but I think most of those guys already have issues. Final segment of Hour 2 up next. We'll go back with Alex Marvez. This is Fox Sports Radio. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. The good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Alex Marvez with us. So you think sports gambling being legalized is bad? I didn't say it was bad. It just so what- cause problems. You think it's better or worse for sports that it's legalized? Uh, you know, better for the leagues themselves because you know you're right about the viewership issues. People are going to tune in, and there are going to be folks who gamble. And, and listen, you know, you know, the bottom line is that as long as the NFL, you know, they've got a number one, they got to keep integrity. And I'm not saying they have to have a fee for that, but you have to believe that the games are on the up and up. That this isn't WWE. And by the way, you can gamble on WWE. How crazy is that? Do you know how many employees have it's, been it's, skimming off of that it's one? Not only amazing that you can gamble on it; it's that they sometimes get things completely wrong. Like, I looked at the WrestleMania lines before the WrestleMania lines, just thinking, okay, I'm going to have to go to bed before some of these fights are over. And then they had, like, 10-to-1 underdogs paying out. So, I mean, they did an incredible job of actually keeping the secrets from leaking to anybody if they – and, in fact, the opposite. You know, they must have had information that was totally wrong. It's like like being a a secret agent, I guess, because I don't know how they set the line on who's going to win a Brock Lesnar match. But when Brock Lesnar wins and nobody's expecting him to win and pays out at 10 to 1, it's pretty wild. That's not bad, right? And listen, the other thing we're going to have to do with the NFL here, too, will there be gambling allowed in the stadiums themselves? Are you going to be allowed to use an app to bet in-game? On, at the NFL, and that's something that in Las Vegas, for example, where you have a stadium being built with public funds. I mean, is the NFL going to be able to dictate, as part of their lease agreement, that they are going to they're going to have blockers in a stadium that prevents you from gambling in line, or are they going to try to push you to one? You know, is it going to be different per state? as how this goes. I mean, the legal wrangling over all this is really yet to begin. I'm curious, too, how many PSAs we're going to start to see now on NFL telecasts about, you know, saying that gambling is bad for you. If you have a problem, to be be sure to get that taken care of. And at some point, is there going to be an Arch Leister incident with a player? And for those who aren't familiar with Arch Leister, the number four pick all the way back in, I believe, 1982. And he was a famous quarterback at Ohio State who got in so deep with the gamblers, so deep, that he ended up going to the league and saying, hey, I'm afraid that something's going to happen here. I need help. And they actually he ended up turning on the people that he was gambling with, and it's a mess, and Arch Lees are in prison today for another scam. Now, of course, some people say, well, NFL players are making too much money to get involved in this, and you know, the only one who can affect it is the quarterback because he's the only one who touches the ball on every play. But, again, you just got to be careful here. And, by the way, what happens to injury reports, Clay? I mean, more important than ever, uh, injury reports. That's why injury- they exist now. 
Right, because of Glenn Dawson and what happened back in, in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Four, in the NFL, there was, a, there was a thought that Len Dawson, the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback, was connected with gamblers, and this ultimately led to injury reports that, that you know, made things, put things out in the open as well. And by the way, Len was exonerated on all that. I just want to point that out. But, you know, the fact that there was some inside information going on, whether players would play, they wouldn't play, so that's where that's from. And the NFL, you know, listen, it's all, it, it's gotten looser through the years, but, you know, and they'll never say anything. But remember, it used to be almost impossible when people were setting their fantasy lineups and everyone was listed as questionable. Now, you know, the NFL insiders are getting information, putting it out there, uh, you know, before so you can set your fantasy lineup and not get upset because you don't want to have a guy ready to go and then all of a sudden, oops, he's not playing, and then it upsets your, you know, your fan base uh, by doing just that. And by the way, you talk, and I heard you on the earlier segment talking about enjoyment and people like gambling. I think what, what people, some though, some, some hate losing more than they like winning. Does that make sense? And it becomes a difficult thing, I think, sometimes when you bet something, it doesn't go your way. There's an anger, there's a frustration, there's a desire. I'm going to get this money back. And that can really send you down a rabbit hole. And that's, that's the thing that I'm concerned about, really, is that people in this country have no, you know, there's no safeguards, so to speak, in terms of themselves. And I know yeah, libertarian and, I, I and everyone's free will, but reality is that I think some people, once they start, may not be able to stop. Yeah, and I guess my position on this is people have to be responsible for themselves. And like, I'm not, and I understand there's people out there who say, I mean, you can make this argument about virtually everything, right? Like we can't have weed because if people have weed, next thing you know, they're going to be shooting themselves with heroin uh, in back alleys, right? Um, we can't have, uh, we can't have alcohol because people are going to drive drunk. I mean, all of those things happen. Um, and uh, I think those are a function of personal failing more than they're the cause of the product, if that makes any sense. Uh, sure. Alex, thank you for joining us. We will talk to you next week. Uh, good luck uh, in the meantime on uh, these NFL offseason rules. <laughs> Thanks, brother. We'll do the sixth week from Atlanta. Appreciate you. Yeah, good stuff. That's Alex Marvez. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. I think it is an interesting question. To what extent? I t- I'm a libertarian, so I think if you want to smoke weed, uh, that should be on you as long as you make the decision to do that. If you want to drink beer, drink beer. If you want to gamble on sports, gamble on sports. I also would continue that and say, hey, if you want to pay for a prostitute, pay for a prostitute. As long as consenting adults are involved, I believe that's perfectly fine. I understand that other people out there disagree with me, um, but I believe that sports gambling is part of a more libertarian universe that we are moving into where people can make their own decisions about whether they choose to do something or not. I think sports gambling is going to be great for the average sports fan. We'll talk about it with with Todd Furman in Vegas next on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Bit of news uh, dropping the last uh, few minutes. The Carolina Panthers are going to have a new owner, David Tepper. He's a partial owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He will be the next owner of the Carolina Panthers, according to multiple reports online. Uh, That news, what exactly he is paying for them, has not been public, but it's expected to be uh, over $2 billion. What exactly that looks like, we will find out as... uh, as it becomes closer to the official determination date. Uh, If you were just waking up across the country, the Golden State Warriors, to me, effectively ended all doubt about who will be the 2018 NBA champion. It's going to be the Warriors, and they may end up sweeping the Rockets. They put on a beatdown on Chris Paul and uh, James Harden and the Rockets. If you look at the numbers, 
James Harden played about as well as he possibly could have played. Still, they could not find a way to stay within 13 of the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry did not play that well. Kevin Durant was great. This thing is over in my mind. The Golden State Warriors now 25-3 and in their last 28 playoff games since Kevin Durant joined the team. Let me put that into perspective for you. That means last year they went 16-1. and The only loss was game four to the Cleveland Cavaliers after they were already up 3-0. The only losses this year after they were already up 3-0 to the San Antonio Spurs and after they were already up 2-0 on the New Orleans Pelicans. That means any game that has mattered in the last two years, the Golden State Warriors have effectively won it. What does 25-3 look like? That means in six complete series... And now the start of the seventh series, they have played seven different teams. Those seven teams have not yet combined to win a single seven-game series against the Golden State Warriors. I want you to think about that stat for a minute because it's a pretty mind-blowing stat. The entirety of the seven teams that the Golden State Warriors have played in their last seven rounds of the NBA playoffs have not yet combined to win a series against the Golden State Warriors. Even if we combine all their losses from the last seven series, they still have not lost a seven-game series. And I don't know about you, you may well be a Rockets fan. You may be excited about the Rockets advancing to the NBA Finals. Uh, And I think this is effectively the NBA Finals, by the way. The Western Conference is the NBA Finals. They've got no shot of actually winning this series. They are going to get it right on the chin throughout this series. I think the Warriors win again on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday in uh, Houston, and I think they go back to uh, Golden State up two games to none. Even if they lose game two, I think they'll go back to Golden State, win both those games. This series is over. This series is over. It'll especially be over Wednesday if the Warriors get the win there. Now, series that's not over, we're shifting back to Boston for game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh, it's a must-win for LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers because if you go down 0-2, you'll lose 94% of the time in the NBA. Uh, We need a six- or seven-game series to make the Eastern or the Western Conference Finals at least somewhat interesting, even if right now the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers are both fighting to see who gets executed first by the guillotine that is the Golden State Warriors. And other... uh, News in the playoffs, the Vegas Golden Knights, 300-1 to underdogs to win the title when this season began. Got a win in the Western Conference Finals on the road against Winnipeg. They will come back to Vegas tied up at one game apiece. And the Washington Capitals, the long star-crossed franchise that is the Washington Capitals that for the longest time could win nothing at all. Well, they won two in a row on the road against Tampa Bay. They are coming back home for game three in Washington, D.C. They now have a chance to go up 3-0 and get oh so close to stamping their ticket to advance to the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. All of that is going on in the world of sports. In conjunction with that, we also have the Supreme Court yesterday morning officially releasing an opinion that we've been predicting on this show would happen for a while, striking down the prohibition on individual states deciding to legalize sports gambling, New Jersey wins its contest of the uh, regulation, federal regulation that was passed. 
that stopped individual states from being able to allow sports gambling to take place. We've been talking and unpacking and discussing that story in great detail. We are going to be joined shortly by Todd Furman out in Las Vegas to talk about what this means for the larger sports gambling universe. And also, we will be talking uh, in hour two with uh, my guy Petros Papadakis, who hated both Todd Furman and myself because we spent so much time talking about the world of sports gambling. I believe Todd Furman is waking up early for us with us out in the desert just a little bit after 5 a.m. I'm sure he's been having a whirlwind of an experience. Todd, you got the result I think you kind of anticipated would happen. What does this mean for sports gambling in general? I think it's a great question, Clay. And when you try to figure out what the sports gambling landscape is going to look like in these various states that are going to try and rush a product to market, they just need to make sure they do things the right way. The Nevada model, in my opinion, is kind of the gold standard, the traditional minus 110 on football and basketball games, the 7% tax rate, and the ability for each casino to kind of offer up a product that they feel is consistent with their customer base. It's a far cry from the Pennsylvanias of the world and some of the other states that don't have favorable tax structures uh, with gaming operators that may look to charge 35 to 40%, cut the leagues in for an integrity tax component, or a number of other variables that can really change the offering. But for folks living in New Jersey, Mississippi, states along those lines that have always uh, worked well with gaming operators, I think they have a lot to look forward to. Okay, let's actually get into the nitty-gritty of how the system is set up in Nevada, because we're getting a lot of questions about what it could look like nationwide. Every state will have to make a decision. Uh, You now, in the state of Nevada, you can obviously go into a sports book and place a wager. I think a lot of our listeners will have done that or will be familiar with that concept. What can you also do in terms of online? You can now not even have to go into a casino to place a bet, correct? Well, you have to go into the casino to set up the account. You fill out some paperwork, you turn in your driver's license, you have to put your social security number behind it. And then there are a couple different funding methods. Initially, when the mobile app started, you had to do everything over the counter. And then you wouldn't have to go back into the casino unless you were trying to collect. Now, there are some different payment methods where you can fund remotely once you set up your account. It's almost like a prepaid credit card to get yourself going. And you can put money in there, you can withdraw money without ever having to set foot in the casino. Now, I think for me personally, Clay, if a lot of these states come online and they don't have a mobile component built into their bylaws and the guidelines right off the bat, then they're not going to see the impactful potential revenue from legalization because most folks aren't going to try and find their local casino or racetrack to walk in there to make all their bets. So I think mobile has to be a major consideration for any state that's looking to legalize. How progressive do you think states will be? I think some states are going to be very progressive and proactive, but I think there are going to be some states that are going to take a wait-and-see approach, especially the ones that have professional sports franchises that are all at all afraid uh, of the implications there with the proposed integrity fee or whatever the hell they want to call it. They may try and figure out how they can make a pact or create that relationship so they don't feel like they're pissing off any of the league partners where essentially Nevada said, hey, we've had sports betting forever. We're not going to change this integrity tax that the Major League Baseball and the NBA are looking for. You're not going to get a piece of our pie. Yeah, and I want to go back to the to how this is structured in Nevada. Like you, could, you were talking about those apps for mobile gaming. 
that is restricted based on geo-targeting, right? So if you went to L.A., you wouldn't be able to use one of those apps. Correct. They're all geofenced right now based in the state. But the issue that comes up there, even if you're in the state of Nevada and you're in some of the border towns, Laughlin, where there are casinos along the Colorado River, or up in northern Nevada in state line, if there's a cell tower located in California, you still can't even use the mobile app. So the state of Nevada has been working towards that along with a lot of these app providers over the last I'd say year to 18 months to try and reconcile that. Imagine when that scale is magnified and you have people that are living in New York City and Hoboken on either sides of the river, how that's going to work, or states where you have main population centers, maybe a Kansas City, for example, where you have some people living in Missouri and some people living in the state of Kansas, how that's going to work from a sports betting standpoint if one state's on board and the other isn't. Yeah, and that kind of goes to if you want to gamble on your phone now, There are a lot of offshores where you can gamble, right? Like, let's not pretend that that doesn't exist. And you can do it anywhere in the country or, frankly, anywhere in the world. Doesn't a progressive American sports gambling uh, industry need to recognize that you have to be able to do this across state borders in order to be efficient and effective? One would think, and I really believe that's part of why the NFL is pushing for a federal oversight committee to try and make sure that happens. So you're going state to state, and it really doesn't matter. So every product offering isn't changing. Because think of it on a ridiculous scale, but I'm sure some of these scenarios will play out. You live in Memphis, Tennessee. You're not able to bet in your state. What are they going to do? They're going to set up a sports lounge or a bar two minutes after you cross the border so you don't have to go all the way to Tunica if you want to bet college football legally on a Saturday or the NFL. I think it's borderline ridiculous if some states come online and other states don't uh, for that reason. But I really think that's the kind of scenario and that's the kind of landscape we're going to see at least initially. In my opinion, we're probably five years at minimum uh, away from a federal mandate where every single state is going to offer a similar product. It's a great point about a city like Memphis uh, because Memphis is a college football hotbed, let's say. Um, There's no doubt about that. If they're going to have gambling allowed in Mississippi – are you telling me that there's not going to be a immediate economic incentive to have a as soon as you cross the border from uh, Tennessee to get into uh, to Mississippi that it wouldn't make sense to have a depot there to uh, to you know be able to place your sports bets now some people would say hey that's what we have with the lottery there's all sorts of different places right across the state line where when there's 400 million dollars to be won There's tons of people without a state license plates driving across the border to fill up their gas tanks and buy a shot at a $400 million lottery. So maybe that is going to be in some way the reality. Now, you mentioned this integrity fee. Uh, A lot of people out there, to me, the way these leagues are going to make money, whether it's the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, uh, the, uh, the NBA, whatever it is, is off selling rights like exclusive. Hey, you're the exclusive odds provider of the NBA. You're the exclusive uh, odds provider of the Houston Rockets or whichever team it is. Not by trying to get a share of every bet that's placed. The every share a share of every bet that's pay, placed argument is absurd to me. Is that the reaction of Vegas as well to this idea? It definitely is, and you have to give the leagues a little bit of credit for trying to get their piece of the pie. I don't think it's ultimately going to happen. And then by masking it under that integrity fee catch-all, it eliminates the players' associations from getting a piece uh, of the revenue because they say they're using this integrity fee to ensure the protection of the individual games against tampering, match-fixing, and every other scare tactic that they're looking to employ. 
I'm with you. I think ultimately you're going to see these various teams partner with casinos or odds providers, what have you, very similar to what we have in the U.K. model right now from the English Premier League. Anyone who watches soccer on Saturdays or Sundays or throughout the course of the Premier League season sees a lot of these sportsbooks' names right there emblazoned on the front of every jersey. We know there's symbiotic relationships between the casino operators and the league because the biggest thing in all of this is game protection. And if the operators believe that any of these match outcomes, regardless of the sport, could potentially be compromised, or if the leagues think that their outcomes are compromised, it's not good for anybody. So those two organizations are going to have to work closely with one another hand-in-hand to eradicate the notion that somehow a legalized sports betting market in this country is going to make any of these match outcomes more prone to match-fixing. In reality, legalizing sports gambling actually makes it easier, in theory, to catch uh, abnormal uh, betting patterns and match-fixing, right? I mean, that's where most of the caught people have come from is – you guys who are involved in sports gambling can see the abnormal betting patterns and see that something is awry. A hundred percent. And we look at some of the point-shaving scandals that have plagued sports over the last 15 to 20 years, maybe even longer than that. Arizona State, probably the single greatest one that college athletics had to deal with. And it was Nevada that became the whistleblower because you had a steady processional of kids coming up from Tempe to Vegas to try and bet against Arizona State basketball once those stories leaked. Now, on the smaller scale, people will point to Scooter McDougal and what took place at the University of Toledo. They'll talk about Brian Johnson and what went on at San Diego. Those are point-shaving scandals and match-fixing incidents that were going to happen in a legal or illegal market regardless of what went on because they took place between individuals and bookmakers. The unfortunate reality, and I'm not a Pollyanna, I don't live in a bubble or a silo, those kind of situations are going to manifest themselves regardless of if you have legalization. But the bigger implications and the bigger potential scenarios, as soon as people start to try and move money in a regulated market, that's when the whistles get blown. That's when they communicate with the leagues, with the uh, various conferences, and you do something to put those checks and balances in place. How many legal states do you think by football season people that are listening to us right now will be able to bet in? They can do it in Nevada. I think Mississippi is a good bet. I think New Jersey is a good bet. How many other states do you think by the time football season starts, which is when gambling season really kicks off, they'll have the ability to do it? I think West Virginia is very close, and I do have to give people in that fine state a ton of credit because they also looped in university officials from Marshall and West Virginia into their discussions. Obviously, not having a professional team, you worried about your largest collegiate programs that were there. So they were one of the only states that did that from the college side. I think Connecticut and New York are going to try and find a way to be ready to go by football season as well. And the states that I've heard recently, Iowa, Indiana and Illinois that may want to try and get involved. Indiana, I'm not sure, is going to get anywhere close. They're a little bit more conservative. Uh, But Illinois and Iowa, I think, are going to be a lot closer to market than people think. States that uh, I know it's not going to be quite what people want to hear. If you're living in Florida, for everybody I've talked to and what I've read, they may take an eternity and forget about all those great outkick listeners in Utah. Sports gambling is never going to come to your fine state. How busy have you been since this ruling came down? Uh, Pretty busy. Folks in media want to try and talk about it. They're looking for the right answers to understand what the implications are. So it's been a whirlwind since about 7 o'clock in the morning yesterday Pacific. And to kind of put it in perspective, Clay, you know, I get up early. I try and ease into the day. So I'm out walking the dog at a quarter of 7. My phone starts going ballistic right about that time. My mind immediately goes, Jesus, there's got to be a family emergency or one of my friends is in trouble. I look down and see a laundry list of of texts, tweets, you name it, uh, once this stuff 
was repealed by uh, the Supreme Court. And I think it's going to be a busy couple of months to see what a lot of the networks are going to do as far as integrating gambling content uh, into their programming schedules, especially in anticipation of football. You and I did the first live from a sports book hit in the history of uh, of American uh, sports gambling, I think, with FS1 on a national network anyway. With FS1, I believe it was back in 2014 and in 2015. Are you surprised that it has happened this quickly? Because this is something you and I would have discussed, and we're talking to Todd Furman. He's with us, up with us early out in Las Vegas right now. Something you and I would have discussed uh, a ton over the years about the fact that this was coming. Are you surprised that it got here this quickly? I honestly am. I think the biggest drivers in all of it was the leagues looking to Las Vegas as a viable city to put professional franchises in. So when the Golden Knights were approved as an expansion team to come out here, uh, that was a step in the right direction because whether the leagues wanted to openly embrace gambling, it was more or less a tacit endorsement of, if this city is good enough for us, we're okay with everything that comes along with it. The Raiders were another major domino to fall, that if you're going to build them a billion-dollar stadium right off the strip, that the gambling discussion has to be front and center. But if if you'd have told me, as you said, back in 2014 we did this, inside of five years we'd be talking about legalized sports wagering coast-to-coast and everybody trying to get on board, I probably said, would have said that was very optimistic. So I'm thrilled that it's here. The biggest question is, as long as the states and leagues don't get greedy and screw it up, uh, I think folks are sitting on an absolute goldmine over the next three to five years. You are in Las Vegas. There's been a lot of people say, oh, this is a big blow to Las Vegas. Do you believe that or not? I think you're going to see a little bit of a residual effect, but at the same time, as soon as you saw land-based casinos pop up around this fine country, you saw Vegas kind of reinvent itself. It didn't go from the gaming mecca all of a sudden to the entertainment capital. It was a gradual process. And we've seen a lot of that stuff now when people come out here. They're not sitting at the tables and gambling for 12 to 14 hours to crack. They're going to the restaurants. They're going to the shows. They're going to the nightclubs, the day clubs, etc. And I prefaced it this way when I talked to some folks on the East Coast. It's the middle of March, and you have an opportunity to meet your buddies in Atlantic City for a four-day bender the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament, or you can come out to Las Vegas where there's actually sunshine, beautiful women, and top-tier restaurants. What are you going to choose to try and do it? And I think Vegas has to realize what it has working for it, and a lot of cases it's the weather compared to other spots around the country. Good stuff, as always, Todd Furman. Enjoy the, uh, the gambling rush, and uh, we appreciate you joining us. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Clay. It's Todd Furman. You can follow him on Twitter, at Todd Furman. He's awesome. We've been working together for a long time. Big to big time hit for him uh, for what he does for sports gambling to officially become legal. Up next, Petros Papadakis. He was off last week on vacation. What did he learn? Is the world a better place? Is DeAndre been replaced as his favorite yoga instructor in the South Bay area of Los Angeles? All that and more. We discuss. You decide. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Join now by Petros Papadakis at Petros and Money, 570 AM Sports in LA. Many of you will be finishing your afternoon with him. He starts his morning here. Are you more rested after vacation or more tired after vacation? I'm going to make a confession to you that I did not make yesterday. I did not. I have like a pillbox that's like seven uh, like little slots, you know, for the week for old people because I take so many different vitamins and stuff. You following me? Yeah, oh yeah. I forgot to put my Prozac in there. 
So, like, by the end of the week, I started getting angrier and angrier, and I couldn't figure it out. And I didn't know until yesterday morning when I checked my pillbox. But anyway, yeah, it was nice. Uh, I find that oftentimes when I come back from vacation, I'm more tired because of the kids. Like, before I had kids, you go on vacation, you're like, this is awesome, like, I sleep, like, whatever. Nowadays, when you have kids, it's like your schedule doesn't really change that much. Oh, I didn't bring my kids. You oh, that's stupid. The how long were you gone without your kids? Oh, no, only five days. That's a long time. I mean, the, 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 how, like, incredible did you sleep without the kids around? Pretty much around the clock. Yes. Yeah, I slept and I watched Gunsmoke and Big Valley on MeTV and all the old Palm Springs stations that play all the old shows for the old people. And I watched old people get drunk and get in fights at bars because they're all coming out of the woodwork. Coachella's over, and what I like to call the white girl Olympics. Stagecoach <laughs> is over. Stagecoach is the white girl Olympics. Do you see what they do for that? What is the difference between Stagecoach and Coachella? Well, Coachella is hipsters and, and, uh, Music, and Cam right? Newton. Cam yes. Newton, uh, Sam Bradford, hipsters, that's Coachella. And it's you know, uh, well, Beyonce played Coachella, but it used to be like Morrissey or the Stone Roses and a bunch of DJs and uh, indie bands. Okay. So that's who goes to Coachella. Stagecoach is just straight up white country people. Your oh, people. okay. Yeah, my people. Yeah. Um, so uh, they Brad just go out. Is it, the, is it the same place? Yeah, it's a gigantic uh, polo fields, it used to be, out in uh, Indio. Uh, Coachella is the name of the entire valley. And you'll love this, Clay, because they change all the mascot uh, names all the time. Do you know the name of Coachella Valley High School? No idea. Home of the Arabs. Oh, wow. Yeah, but they changed the mascot from a guy on a camel. Well, he looked like a real gnarly, mean Arab guy, and now he looks like Aladdin. Oh, okay. Well, he's a happy. I'm surprised that the Arabs even exist. Um, Well, you got your Indio Rajas out there as well. Indio so, High School Rajas, Palm Springs High School Indians. So and it's insanely hot, Desert. right? What? It's insanely hot at like Coachella and Stagecoach and all these things, right or no? Well, uh, they try to schedule it like at the end of what they would call in the desert the season. Yes. Uh, which uh, you know usually is about 90, 85 is what they're aiming for, but it can get up to 110, 115 if they're not careful. It was yeah, 110 see, when I was out there, but I don't go outside. And it's also dusty, right? At Coachella? Yes. No, I think they've kind of tempered that. It's become a real high-class event with a lot of VIP stuff and uh, and art exhibits and things of that nature. I think you still have to blow it out in a porta potty, though. I went to, for the reason I'm bringing this up, I went to Bonnaroo. And my wife wants to go back to Bonnaroo, which is like the Tennessee Music Festival that I think mm-hmm. would be the Tennessee version of Coachella. And it's in June and it's like 150 degrees. This thing is in the middle of nowhere. It's just in a dusty, muddy field out in a Tennessee farm. And I really can't think of anything I would less rather do than be trying to sleep there. But at the same time, I don't want to go there and not drink, right? Like, I don't want to go there and just be stone-cold sober with all these people running around with their uh, 
what you know with like their backpacks for their they're tripping on all sorts of drugs and they're just sipping on their water all day like i don't want to be the only stone cold sober person at a music festival but i also don't want to go in and out in the same day and god forbid i refuse to ever sleep in a tent I mean, I'm, I'm, I've lived for too long to sleep in a tent intentionally. That's Thank why we you. built walls, right? Like, Thank I'm an anti-tent guy. I will so, never camp, ever. Oh, yeah. My wife is like, why don't we take the boys camping? I'm like, why don't we just sleep in the back of our car and also be miserable? Because at least we can have air conditioning there. I have zero interest in putting a tent up or camping out ever. Yeah, I, I feel awful for homeless people, but that is who camps. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the reason why, like, that, that, that's why we're trying to take care of them is so they don't have to be outside. Yeah, um, it's so, called shelter. Yes, there's no doubt at all about that. So um, when you uh, look at this, we were talking a lot about sports gambling. and I, just Wait, had my I don't buddy. do festivals is all I, I uh, can add to that because yeah, I don't so want to go your, to the bathroom outside with a bunch of bears and muskrats. So what would you, what would you have me tell my wife? Like, how do I get out of this? Say no. Uh, I can't. Here's what you do. You find out who she wants to see at Bonnaroo, and you take her to a wonderful, intimate show of that artist and uh, a hotel that night. That's a that's a that's actually a really great solution. And by the way, my what wife should do... actually, of course, that's why you asked me. What do you think about the last two concerts that I've been to see? All right. Well, you Foo have Fighters, terrible taste in music. Foo Fighters and Justin Timberlake. I guess that's acceptable. I mean, I don't want to upset your audience. It's a national audience of people that like to consume things in mass, but that music is made to be consumed in mass, and it's just not my style. I like the less people involved meaning record companies and A&R people and stuff of that nature. I like the less people involved between me and the artist, uh, the better for me when it comes to music. And your taste in music has always been awful. And yeah. you've always admitted it. I, I admit that I don't have very much taste when it comes to music. All right, so um, what do you think? I was just talking to Todd Furman, and I know you hate Todd Furman because you think he's awful. I and like represents Todd. everything that's evil. I uh, love ab- Todd. About gambling becoming legalized across the country. Will this change the way you talk about sports at all? Me personally, uh, you know what? It's very interesting because when you and I uh, started working together and Todd Furman was over at Fox and we were doing gambling segments and doing stuff that people weren't doing. You know, yeah, ESPN no, we were ahead of the curve for sure. Yeah, ESPN, you guys were doing it. I mean, I was just sitting there appalled. Uh, <laughs> ESPN uh, then... Uh, shortly thereafter, started it. If I if I have it uh, correct, I I'm sure you talked about it. But uh, I remember when I started calling games in 2001, and nationally in 2004, and that was the third rail, and it still is in the world of the NCAA. I mean, Al Michaels and Mushberger got away with little comments over the years, but we were told not to talk about gambling. We have privileged information and so on and so forth. And I still live by that code because I'm not a gambler and I'm not super interested in gambling. But that being said, what happened yesterday was a gigantic deal. And kind of like European soccer culture, uh, gambling has become a little looser and more acceptable. And that's why this happened. I mean, it didn't happen in a vacuum. I mean, the stuff that people talked about on TV and the stigma about gambling on sports has certainly changed since the days of Hedick Smith at uh, ASU, you know. 
Yeah, and, and I think, I mean, you you obviously go back and forth to Vegas every now and then, and I feel like L.A. is pretty close to Vegas. And so I wonder on some level for what we do. I talk about gambling a decent amount, but I think it's going to become more and more commonplace now that this uh, Supreme Court rule has come down. Well, we had a great lawyer on, not that you're not a great lawyer, Clay, but we had a great lawyer on yesterday, a professor at Pepperdine, a girl named Alicia Jessup, a yep. woman named Alicia Jessup, and she's the most educated person I'd ever heard on the topic, and the possibilities are endless, and it's very interesting, I mean, because what's to stop people from gambling on two raindrops? You know, what's to stop people from opening a place and, and gambling on, on two bowling balls going down a, 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 <laughs> a ramp, you know? I mean, there is no real cap to it. Here in California, it is much more complicated. And and in uh, Connecticut, I think, and Florida, where we have Indian gaming. Yes. And and it's written in to, to their deal that they are the only ones that get to game. But at the same time, here in California, we have the Larry Flint Casino down the street from me, right here in Gardena, California. Hustler Casino, I'm pretty sure that's not an Indian tribe. Uh, and the, the Bicycle Casino, that's not a tribe. Uh, that's a that's a card brand. <laughs> that's in uh, Bell Gardens, which is about twenty minutes from where I live. So those are two casinos that you and I could go gamble at all day and lose all our money. That are not Indian casinos. So it's very complex. I'm sure the legislation will be out as soon as possible. I don't know who's going to write it, but uh, I I heard that New Jersey's going to be able uh, to have stuff up for the NBA Finals by the time that starts, which is like two weeks. Yeah, I think there's a good chance of that. We're talking to Petros Papadakis, AM570 Sports in LA. Many of you will be listening to him this afternoon. All right, so question for you then. Are you paying a lot of attention? You just mentioned the NBA. Are you paying much attention to the NBA, or are you almost exclusively watching it thinking about what LeBron James is going to do? No, because uh, we've been through that so many times. I'm kind of fatigued. I don't know if there's such a thing as LeBron story fatigue, but if there is, I have it. I also have James Harden and the Warriors story fatigue, although I do think it was pretty funny yesterday looking at James Harden in his hoodie and like his beard coming out, playing with his beard, watching the game with that dead stare. <laughs> It's just so weird, dude. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I'm amazed at the overreaction in the sports world game to game when it comes to the NBA. And it's not just a reaction to what's going to happen in the next game or who's going to win the series. It's a reaction to, well, this is going to piss LeBron off and he's going to go to L.A. Or, well, this means LeBron's going to Houston. And, well, of course this means LeBron's going to stay in Cleveland. And then somebody writes some long-form, super-educated-sounding article about the whole topic. And then the narrative completely changes like two days later. So I feel like it's kind of a futile effort And when you have basketball experts that I trust saying, hey, the Golden State Warriors can't be stopped, they're going to win the next five titles and nothing else matters, uh, then it makes it really futile. And it feels really stupid. I don't know. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think the Warriors are going to win the 2018 title, and I don't think there's going to be any drama involved in it at all, barring injury. Yeah, and I saw somebody send a tweet last night. I think it was Pat Forty 
saying, you know, what excellent basketball the Warriors play. And then I saw somebody else send a tweet, I think it was Dave Damashek, about, you know, don't hate on KD because you're vapid if you hate on his decision to join the Warriors. And I don't know. I mean, to me, when the second best basketball player in the world joins the already best basketball team in the world, it takes some of the intrigue out of it. Not to say they're not excellent and a marvel to watch for basketball purists, but when there's no competition, it's not really that much fun. I agree with you, my man. We will talk to you next week. Welcome back from vacation. Thanks for waking up early with us. By the way, who's the yoga instructor this week? Oh, uh, you'll love this. Uh, DeAndre's done. He moved to Temecula uh, and where Daniel Jeremiah lives. And now we have Jenna, uh, who does not know me from anything. She does not know the glories of AM Sports Talk Radio. Yes. And she calls me Petros. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. Have a good morning, Petros. Thank you. Thank you, Clay Travis. And to hell with Bonnaroo. Hell with Bonnaroo, indeed. Uh, that is Petros Papadegas, AM 570 Sports in L.A. at Petros and Money. Let me bring in uh, Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Well, let's give you your Geico playoff report. We'll start with the NBA playoffs opening game of the Western Conference Finals. Big second half of the Warriors gives them a 119-106 win in Houston. It was Kevin Durant leading the way with 37 points. Klay Thompson, 28 points for the Warriors. They grabbed the 1-0 series lead. James Harden, 41 points in the loss for Houston. NHL playoffs, Game 2 Western Conference Finals. Golden Knights beat the Jets in Winnipeg 3-1, to teaming up that series at one game apiece. And the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a long-standing federal law banning sports gambling. The decision now allows individual states to determine whether they will allow legal sports betting or not. This report brought to you by True Car Online. Car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. In the NFL, Pittsburgh Steelers minority owner David Tepper reportedly going to be the new owner of the Carolina Panthers. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Final segment of the show up next. Odds to win the NBA championship updated in the wake of Game 1 in the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. Plus, we'll tell you who we think is going to win tonight. The Celtics going to go up 2-0 or LeBron and the Cavs going to punch back all that more final segment of the show next on Fox Sports Radio what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance it means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago encourage you to go download the podcast we have been running through this like crazy so many details to uh, to chase down here surrounding the Supreme Court decision on sports gambling and the impact to the world of sports in general. If you're intrigued by that question at all, you need to go download the podcast, search out the term OutKick on iTunes, and you will be good to go. You'll be able to enjoy the show whenever you would like. couple of interesting details here. Um, I put up a poll question uh, about two hours ago. Um, or about an hour and a half ago, and you can go vote in it still throughout the day. I was curious, who are you rooting for in the Cavs-Celtics series? I told you yesterday I was going to put this out. Uh, About 12,000 of you have voted so far, and 66% of you in the OutKick audience are rooting for the Celtics to win this series. I'll put out the Warriors versus the Rockets tomorrow right before Game 2. Odd Shark, Uh, our friends at Odd Shark, we'll talk to John Campbell from Odd Shark tomorrow Uh, They have the updated odds to win the NBA championship. This is crazy. The Golden State Warriors are now minus 275. Just a huge, massive favorite. The Houston Rockets are at 5-1. The Cleveland Cavaliers are at 8-1. And the Boston Celtics are at 14-1. 
Um, and uh, this is kind of an interesting question. We were talking with Todd Furman earlier. Um, there is a, uh, a really interesting debate about, for instance, the state of Nevada allows you to gamble on sports from apps anywhere within their state borders as long as you have set up the, uh, your, your license and you've gotten the right to do it. Think about how far that that stretch would be, for instance, in New Jersey, which is shortly going to allow sports gambling in their casinos, maybe by the NBA Finals. They would, in theory, if they allow it in the state of New Jersey, you'd be able to gamble on sports across the river from Manhattan. So how in the world are they going to geo-target that? Think about all the millions of people. Are they really going to have to get on a uh, bridge or a tunnel and drive to New Jersey, and then all you have to do to gamble on sports is just cross the river uh, there in Manhattan, um, and everybody who lives in New York City just has to get inside the state of New Jersey to place all their sports bets, and then they drive back. You take the subway back or whatever. That's kind of crazy to think about. Same thing, obviously, uh, Todd Furman was talking about with, for instance, the state of Mississippi. Memphis is obviously a huge uh, cosmopolitan city, right across the uh, the state border there from Mississippi. Can you imagine the number of people who will have those apps and just drive right across the border until they hit a Mississippi phone, uh, you know, like a relay uh, uh, cell tower, and then they're able to place all their bets there? Um, it's going to be really intriguing to see how this works itself out, and obviously that exists now in Nevada, and we will see how popular this will become because I think Mississippi and New Jersey will both soon in short order, be able to offer sports gambling for anybody who is interested in doing both of those things in the state uh, or just right outside the state and drive across the state's borders to uh, to make that happen. All right, tonight is game two. The Celtics are hosting the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Celtics are a one-point favorite in this game. Jason Martin, which way is it going to go? I've got the Celtics winning the series, but I've got Cleveland winning tonight. I just don't see... LeBron falling down 2-0. I think he'll do whatever he has to do. If they lose tonight, they're done. There's no way. And and the supporting cast has got to show up. For some reason, I think Corver will have a big night tonight. I think JR might get off a little bit. They'll have just enough to beat the Celtics. Again, if they don't, it's over. I've got the Celtics winning it anyway. But you just don't look at LeBron James after having maybe the worst playoff game of his entire career and not expect him to go off tonight. He's just too good. What about you guys in L.A.? Who you got? The Celtics play as a team. They're fun to watch. The way they move the ball, the way they get back on defense, the way they're coached, it's just too much. Even I know LeBron has amazing bounce-back games, but him by himself, he's not going to be able to take these Celtics out. Justin Cooper, who you got? I got the Cavs, and I still, I'm still picking them for the series as well. I think the the Cavs are going to win, and I'm going to pick them for the series, too. I just think LeBron is like the movie villain that doesn't get killed like all like all of a sudden. I didn't think they were going to beat the Pacers because I just didn't believe that LeBron was going to lose in the first round. I certainly don't believe that LeBron is going to lose to go down 0-2 and lose this series to the Celtics. By the way, Lightning going up against the Capitals as well. I think the Caps get it done and go up 3-0 and effectively punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, going to be a wild series if that ends up happening. Would be good for hockey, I think, if Alexander Ovechkin gets an opportunity to actually compete in the Stanley Cup Final for the Stanley Cup. 
after all of the futility that the Caps have had over the years. Thanks to you guys for hanging out with us. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Millions of you are doing it. Join the cool kids. Listen to the podcast for OutKick whenever you want, wherever you may be. And uh, make sure that you get as well-versed on the world of gambling as you can because the world changed overnight with the Supreme Court yesterday morning making the decision to allow sports gambling in this country. Thanks for hanging. I'm Clay Travis. This is OutKick, the coverage. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.